0: And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global.com forward slash advantage.
1: Thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions, actions create results. We need to go all the way back to the thoughts and see where that originating thought is coming from and really reprogram. I was going to say reprogram that thought? But it's really a belief.
0: this is the influence by design podcast welcome to today's episode of influence by design i'm samantha riley and super looking forward to today's conversation continuing with our 30 in 30 theme which is stepping into your power becoming the unapologetic leader in your industry and building your elegant empire and today we're speaking with mj about really imposter syndrome negative self-talk and all of the things that you know it's like the little chip on our shoulder that speaks to us (laughs) negatively and it holds us back from all sorts of things so welcome to the show mj ah
1: thank you so much for having me i'm so excited i just you know when you're just excited to just dive straight in. That's how I'm feeling.
0: <laughs> I know. We were having a chat before we started recording and I was just like, oh, this is going to be good. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I should have recorded our pre-talk. It was so good. <laughs> so I know that this is going to be amazing. Before we start, I'd love you to tell our listeners exactly or a little bit of how you got to where you are and what you do now.
1: I, am, I really coach people or coach women specifically on the intersection between their mindset, their emotions, and their energy, so their spirit. And I call that inner leadership. So what I have found over the last 15 years of working with people is that so much external shit gets layered on us. Mm. And I really should have asked, am I allowed to swear i here? <laughs>
0: well, it is shit, right? And it is layered on us, so let's just stick with that.
1: <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's layered upon us and particularly women and successful women within business, we really have so many external societal expectations that are really put onto us, things that get lathered on when we become business owners and when all of this life happens. Mm -hmm. And really what I help women get back to is their core and leading from within instead of leading from outside, Mm. from the external sources. Mm. And so that really does mean understanding how your mindset works, how your emotions work, and how your spirit works to elevate all of that. Now the awesome thing is, is when your internal leadership is like on point, your relationships are on point. Mm. Your business becomes easier. Even the staff you're attracting, you know, become better and everything becomes a little bit more effortless. Mm. Now not effort none, like Mm -hmm. I I, hate
2: a magician, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But a little bit more in flow. And I think most people are familiar with that flow. So that's the way that I coach, but it comes from 15 years of building businesses, from seven years of working in corporate HR. So I'm not just talking about fluffiness and, you know, nice esoteric concepts. And it's really about the practicalities of how you implement inner leadership in your life. Mm. Now, just a little bit extra here, I am a medium, So my superpower is really reading people's energy and to allow that coaching to come specifically to them. So I have heaps of fun and that's what got me to exactly where I am now. The reading of energy, but the implementation, that's how I've created business after business. That's how I keep on doing what I do.
2: Mm.
0: Do you know what I love about business now in this time is that I think that the world is finally ready to understand that business and some of these spiritual practices can come together And in actual fact, when they do come together, that we can build something stronger. I've been in business 30 years. And, you know, in the early days, I used a lot of these spiritual practices, but I never told anyone. Even as early back as 2010, when I started my coaching business, I never told anyone this stuff that I had behind the scenes because I was afraid that people would think I was fluffy and that I really didn't know what I was talking about. And I think that we've got to a point now where not only can we talk about this, But it's time to talk about it and understand that it's all part of the package. Because as you said, business isn't one little tiny part of our life. I said that completely wrong. Business isn't a a singular part of our life. It is just a tiny part of our life. And it's all holistic in the way that it all comes together.
1: I can tell you, Sam, honestly, I was in this room and to be honest, I don't even know why I was invited. It was at a Virgin Unite event, which is Richard Branson's charity. Yep. And it was B Team event, which was all these massive, like, you know, one of the heads of Woolworths and one of the heads of ANZ, not ANZ, AMP Insurance, and just like all these massive businesses. And I do not run a Woolworths style business. I tell you that much. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Compared to Woolies, my business is in beauty. And I was in the room and I was like, feeling a little bit off and they gave a little, you know, they do breakouts and you get into like little groups and they said, okay, we're going to talk about vulnerability and I'm going to put you in a group of three people and you guys are going to each share with each other what you're vulnerable about. And I thought, oh my God, there's these big head honchos here. I totally don't fit in whatsoever. And I would never, ever in those circumstances ever share that I'm a medium mm-hmm. because I don't want to get laughed at by the suits, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. are so seriously, Suits are just like, you know, the corporate kind of style that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to share. I'm going to share. And I said to these two guys, I was like, okay, the thing I'm going to be vulnerable about and I don't usually share in this environment is that I'm a medium. I can read energy. And literally, the two of them scoffed. They were like, huh, "Oh yeah." Did they really? And you know what happened? One of them goes, "Okay, well, read my energy then." And I looked at him. I went, "Bup bup bup. This is where the problem is. I can see you doing this and this in your personal life. Here is an issue, and I'll do the next one." And I read it, and they were white. <laughs>
0: <gasps> yeah, they would have been so. <laughs> oh my goodness, you would have completely <laughs> taken the mask away.
1: A hundred percent. To the point that after that session happened and one of these people were actually, they were on the stage at the event. Uh So they were seen even as an authority in that kind of event space. He did not let me leave the room and he tried to, for an hour and a half, he talked my ear off about, how the fuck are you doing that? Like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so when you realise that everything is energy, then you can start to actually like, implement some really cool things and get invited to cool places and do cool things and and live a life where we're not all putting on our suit and putting on our mask and yeah we're just going to turn up and you know conform to what everyone else thinks is right so I agree with you even in that environment which is you know it was a bit ballsy let's face it (laughs) to be that vulnerable there (laughs) you can really get some positivity when people start to open their mind
0: yeah totally let's talk imposter syndrome because it's interesting that you were just sharing that story then. And I'll bet that those masks were up a lot and nice and tightly because there was a little bit of imposter syndrome there.
1: Absolutely for me. Oh my God. And look, I also think that everybody at some stage of their life has imposter syndrome. So if any of our listeners here are thinking, oh my God, this is just me and I don't deserve to be here. And here's the big one that you know when it's imposter syndrome, it's like, I'm going to get found out.
2: Mm, (laughs) mm -hmm. My
1: God, they're going to realise that whatever the thing is. So for me in that instance, was like, they're going to find out. I'm just a little itty bitty baby business compared to everyone else. Uh I don't deserve to be here. And the reality is that's all just a story we're saying in our head. 100%. 100%. All a story. And if we really peel back the layers And understand from like a cognitive perspective or even from a mindset perspective that thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions, actions create results. We need to go all the way back to the thoughts and see where that originating thought is coming from and really reprogram, I was going to say reprogram that thought, but it's really a belief. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reprogram that belief. I don't deserve. I'm not enough. I can't be here. They're going to find me out and really that originate or that originating belief is I am not enough.
0: Before we delve into that and start there, I really would love to know your take on this. Do you feel like, and this might sound a little bit odd, but play with me. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like imposter syndrome is a positive thing or a negative thing?
1: I don't know if I believe either. Uh-huh. I think no les dos, like one of both. <laughs> um, yep. And I think think that it depends on how you use the energy. Mm -hmm. And this comes from any mindset work, to be honest. If it is something that is motivating you and getting you towards your goal and you are seeing positive results and you're happy with it, then there's there's nothing wrong with it. I'll give you an example. One of the businesses I own helps pre-med students become doctors. Mm -hmm. And I was on the phone with one of my students and she said, I have to get in this year. And I was like, yeah, tell me why. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to get in? She goes, because I'm a nurse and I want to prove to those other doctors that I can do it because I don't want to take their crap anymore. I need to like, I need to shove it in their face that I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I went, that's great. That's really good motivation for now. Don't get rid of that, but also acknowledge that that is not going to be fulfilling when you get to that goal. Mm -hmm. If that's the sole reason you're doing it. So it can be both. Same thing with imposter syndrome. If that gets you learning more, doing more, helping more people, gets your your voice out there, then let's harness that. But also realize that there are effects that may not be positive that come with that too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why I asked the question because I really wanted people to open their mind up to some different ideas because I think that it's really easy to get caught, I've got imposter syndrome, let's go in this downward spiral of I'm not good enough instead of I've got imposter syndrome, okay, what's the story that I'm telling myself and how do I get myself out of it? So I really wanted to sort of get people to open up and go, okay, I feel this, let's do something about it because this conversation is not about wallowing in a feeling because that's not positive and it's not actually a better word. It's not productive.
1: Yes. And I always think, you know, what's your bounce back rate? Because we all get there. Uh Like I am not immune to this. Everybody feels these feelings, but it's like, are we spending one minute, one hour, one day, one month, one year there? And if you're spending a minute or an hour, even a day, like great, feel it. But let's measure that bounce back rate to get back on track Because when you start to feel that way for a month Mm -hmm. or six months or a year, that starts to be ingrained in your personality. Totally. And that becomes who you are. Yep. And that is not a positive thing. You don't want imposter syndrome to be or lack of confidence to really be your life. Like that ain't fun.
0: Totally. All right, so let's go back to where you said all starts with the thoughts. Can you tell us about, you know, once we discover what this thought is, what do we then do with it?
1: Wow, it's a good question. What do we want to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all a choice. And I say that really specifically because if you feel as though you have imposter syndrome, the first and most important thing you need to do is decide if you want to keep it or not. Mm. And This becomes like a fulfilling prophecy in terms of when you're in a resourceful state and you're like, cool, I want to make a change, then you find a way to make a change. Mm. If you're like, oh, I want to wallow in this and I want to feel this, then you're never going to do anything. To me, with imposter syndrome, there are things that you can do long term and there's things you can do short term. Mm -hmm. So if I look short term, just to get the quick fix, you know, if you're in that moment, if you're you're walking into that meeting or whatever, Mm -hmm. the easiest thing that I have found is just writing down a list of shit that you've done really well and reminding ourselves of it.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
1: I once had a coach that told me, okay, from the age of 10 onwards, write every single achievement you've ever had. Wow. And I was just like, Jesus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you actually say it like that, because, You know, you can get caught thinking, oh, you know, it's not that much. But when the first thought that I had was, whoa, that's a lot, which is not normally the same
1: thought that I have, right? Absolutely. And so what we want to do is in that moment, this is a quick win, right? This isn't going to last long term. It's like we're just going to rip the bandaid, get it over and done with, do the meeting and get into the meeting in a resourceful state. Like let's start to list it all out and then just remind yourself You could even, you don't need to do it from the age of 10, but you could even go, okay, in the last week, what's some cool shit that I've done? Mm. And remind yourself, because we forget. We really do. What do they say the stats are? It's like you need 10 positive things to counteract the one negative thing. Wow. So that's particularly right with like feedback online, for example. So you could have like 10 people going, oh my God, this is the most amazing post you've ever done. And then one person goes, well, I don't agree. And that's all you think, you like remember.
0: Yeah, that hits hard. That's what you remember.
1: Absolutely. So that's like a short term. Okay, let's just remind ourselves. In terms of the long term, I think there is a mindset shift around growth and fixed mindsets. So a fixed mindset is when things are black and white and You either have it or you don't have it or you're good or you're bad and there's no in-between. And I actually see this a lot with kind of my 20-ish-year-old clients where they're like, I'm smart enough or I'm not smart enough. Mm
2: -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. good at business
1: or I'm not good at business. Mm -hmm. And that fixed mindset is not a resourceful state. Mm. I call that fixed mindset really unresourceful because there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do to change. Mm -hmm. When we cultivate a growth mindset around, okay, it doesn't matter what I'm going to find a solution Mm -hmm. and I can, and you have these beliefs around, I can always grow to get better and I can always grow and find my way out. Then that's a super resourceful state, Mm. but moving from here to here, like that's all it is, is a decision. And it comes back to, do you want to change the imposter syndrome or not? Mm. And catching yourself when you're in that fixed state, labeling it and going right now, I see myself as a, having a fixed mindset. I need to move across to a more resourceful growth mindset, state of mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Making that decision to go, yeah, okay, I'm going to cross that. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to cross over. I want to make that change. I'd love you to talk about the fear to be able to do that because it's fine to say yeah i'm going to do it but we're actually humans having a human experience and all these emotions come up and some people say it is as simple as just making that step
2: mm-hmm.
0: but depending on what our triggers are and what position like what's happening around us that can be easier or harder at any given time what are some of the resourceful ways that we can tap into what we have within us to be able to make that step across the threshold
1: I think the first step is really just understanding what the fear is. And often it's just labeling the fear and seeing where it lives within our body because. Like, we have these bodies, let's bloody use them. (laughs) I'm so stuck in our head. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's a quotable, that one right
0: there. I love (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) I just feel like we're so stuck in our head and we're thinking all the time and we're going off on these little tangents. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have two hands and two feet and, you know, I'm going to be fine. Uh So Uh if we can acknowledge, okay, what is the fear? Let's put a label on it and then be able to go, okay, where is it living within my body? Now, I work with the chakra system, and so often energy centers or colors give us an insight. It's just a way of kind of understanding what energy lives within us, Mm -hmm. helps us to understand what is the core underlying belief system or energy that someone's holding. Mm. And once we understand what that is, we don't even need to know where it came from. Who cares where it came from? We can start to deal with the beliefs that have gotten us into that fearful state. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, there's so many things like comparison, as an example, that trigger the fearful state or things like our cultural expectations that trigger kind of the unresourceful state or stereotypes that we put on ourselves or on others. So if I can give you an example, for like so long, I've always wanted to be a speaker mm-hmm. and I've spoken on so many different stages but for so long I did not allow myself to dream or to really like hone in on that skill because the limiting belief in my head was that no one wants to listen to me because of my accent Mm. wow no one like I'd like what accent right (laughs) that's exactly what
2: I'm thinking
1: Like, but the fear was so I don't come from, you know, uh, really rich parents or from the nicest part of, in t- of town. Come from Southeast Sydney or Southwest Sydney, I should say. And, you know, it was a little bit of a ghetto sometimes. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have developed this accent, which, you know, if you're a Sydney cider, you're like, oh, yeah, she does sound like she comes from, you know, Southwest Sydney. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I had put this. Fear that I was going to get judged around what my accent was. Mm. That was my fear and my limiting belief. There was one thing that shattered it. And it was gaining evidence that that my accent does not hold anyone, me or anyone else back from delivering impactful, motivating, engaging, inspiring talks. Mm -hmm. I was at an event and this like, beautiful girl with a hajib came on and she grew up in the same area that I did. And she came on and she had the thickest accent. Mm-hmm. Like God bless her because she was my greatest teacher in terms of speaking because she came on and she was like, how are you guys going? <laughs> like, <laughs> at this, like super like polished corporate event. And I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. Totally. That's amazing. And it was shattered. So really the environment sometimes helps us to either shatter those ceilings or those fears or those limiting beliefs or the opposite. It confirms it for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So cultivating an environment that enables you to move into the direction of whatever your goal is, is super important. I say this with social media. Mm-hmm with your friends, your family, your cultural expectations. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, I
1: grew up where, you know, when I went to university, one of the boys said to me, why are you going to university? You're just going to get married and have babies anyway. (gasps) No, 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 no. Cultural expectations, that's where I grew up. Yeah. And so I need to remove myself from that and engage in an area where I'm like, I have a brain, I have a voice, I want to make a difference. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I had, there was
2: no way that I could grow in that environment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Let's talk about that environment a little bit more, because I think that this, it's my belief that this is one of the most, this is like almost like the top of the food chain, that we need to be in the right environment to do, you know, we're talking about lots of techniques and lots of, you know, tactics and different things. But if you're not in the right environment, it's It is so hard and almost impossible to be able to get yourself out of these things. Now, the people that are listening to this podcast are very aware of that. They've already put themselves in good environment. They understand the importance of an inner circle. They understand all the importance of this. However, what are some of the other, the pieces of this environment that they may not even be aware of? And the second part of this is how can they then cultivate that bank of evidence? Because I think it's really easy to to be making changes and not notice that the changes are being made.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of just indoctrinate myself and I call it indoctrination because it's like basically I put propaganda in. (laughs) So that's all the things that actually I, I cultivate the environment by choosing what podcasts I listen to, what rules I put around my business. So, for example, I moved from Sydney to the Sunshine Coast, best change I could have made pre-COVID actually. Mm -hmm. I think we must have got some vibes that something's going to go down in Sydney, right? So so we came to beautiful Sunshine Coast where there were lockdowns, but it definitely wasn't the same as, you know, Sydney and Melbourne. And I, like, made the rule. I was like health before 10, wealth after 10.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: So my health before 10, I'm going and I'm, exercising every day Mm -hmm. I am listening to motivating inspiring podcasts not just the next podcast that comes up but ones that I specifically choose at that time to help indoctrinate myself in what I know Mm. I need to believe but I'm not quite there yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I surround myself I feel like I have the best mentors but some of them I haven't even met yeah but some of them are dead Wayne Dyer Uh uh-huh best mentor ever oh my goodness never met him Never going to yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh (laughs) love Wayne Dyer love him same with Louise Hay, like Mm -hmm. huge mega fan here Uh but just because they're not here it doesn't mean that I can't indoctrinate myself with that message Mm -hmm. but what people don't realize I think the step before creating the environment is knowing what you want specifically Mm. because I knew what I needed was to get out of the chatter of Sydney, the busyness of Sydney, the energy of Sydney, so that I could actually look within and have the time to stop and assess what do I actually fucking want?
2: Mm-hmm. What do I want?
1: Because I had this from my mom, I had this from my mother-in-law, I had this from my you know, people in my business, I had this from you know, other just like all these different things. And until you truly stop and look within, and this is why I call it inner leadership, you can't really create that environment because you don't know where you're going.
0: Hundred percent. And snap on the moving from Sydney to Sunshine Coast. But you're a little smarter than us because I waited till after all the lockdowns (laughs) to do it. (laughs) So I went through all the lockdowns in Sydney and then moved to the Sunshine Coast. But we moved here for exactly the same reason. Mm -hmm. There was just so much and everyone knows what we're talking about. There was just so much noise. Because everyone's going, why did you move? Because I really do love Sydney. Oh, me too. And we were in a beautiful place. We were right on the beach. Like it was a whole lifelong goal that I got and just went, I can't believe we're here. But I just needed the space to think, yeah. to let everything go so that, you know, we could bring the new in, yeah. I guess. And that's what we're talking about with the bank of evidence. It's like you need to be able to allow the
1: new in. Well, there's something called the RAS, which is the reticular activating system. It's a network of neurons that sit at the back of the brain, and there's four things that trigger the RAS. And I'm telling you this because one of the four things is important. It will allow you to find evidence better. The first thing that the RAS does is it kind of allows the information, all the data points that are coming to us through our our sight, our sound, our touch, our taste, and our Whatever the arsehole, last one is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I was oh, there's five senses. I was uh-huh, one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Smell, smell. Um, touch, I'm like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> touch. It so it kind of deciphers what's important and what to bring to the conscious brain. So there's four things that it looks for. Firstly, your name. So if someone says your name at a festival or in a big business conference, your if prick up and you're like, oh, someone just said Sam. Someone looking for me. Mm-hmm. The next thing that it does is it's danger. You or someone else is in danger, automatically like heightened sense of awareness. Mm -hmm. The next one is, and I'm sure everybody's had this before, when someone you're interested in is also interested in sex, you're like, hello, (laughs) (laughs) noticing you right now. (laughs) Uh And the last thing that the RAS kind of puts our conscious awareness to is what we deem is important to us. Mm. And so if you don't know what's important and if you don't train your RAS to look for things that are important, then you won't find it. Mm. You know, like when you go to buy a car and it's like, I want a white Volkswagen, and then all of a sudden white Volkswagens are everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's not that they've just occurred, it's that you've trained your brain to start to look for them. Mm -hmm. And so the questions that we ask ourselves regularly are what trains our RAS because it doesn't work in, like,
2: you know,
1: words and sight. It works in feelings. Mm. And so when we bring up a feeling, when we ask a better question, it brings up a better feeling and allows us to notice the results that have all always been there. Mm. And that's how we start to look for better evidence. So instead of saying, I can't afford to buy a house right now, the house prices are way too expensive, you want to start saying, How can I find a way to buy a house in this market? Mm -hmm. How can I? And you start to have evidence coming towards you about, oh, all these creative ideas. I never thought about doing that. Oh, you can do vendor financing. You can do this. You can do that. Oh, look at that. It's all starting to come together. It might not be on day one. Yeah, of course. So finding that evidence through training the RAS about what's important means knowing inside, not what's important to everyone else.
2: Mm. Let them
1: deal with that. That's their own problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But understanding, being still enough to know what you want and then being diligent enough to pick up when your RAS has gone off and on stuff that you no longer deem important and training it.
0: This is the number one theme that's coming up from every interview in this series that we're doing this month. You have to know what you want. It is the number one thing that has come up from every single person I've spoken to, and it's something I've always known, but it's very like let's pay attention to that. If you don't know what you want, you can't get there.
1: And I think, you know, we we live in this society where everybody talks about follow your passion, follow your bliss, all of that kind of stuff, but not everybody knows what that is. So I actually just encourage people to cultivate curiosity. Mm. Like instead of saying, I have to know everything now, which particularly if you've lived in this environment where we're comparing ourselves to Kim Kardashian on social media and all these cultural expectations of what a wife and a mother and a daughter looks like and all the stuff that we have going on, you might not know and that's okay Instead of berating yourself about it and going, oh, I don't know what my passion is. Oh, my God. We've got to start to say, okay, instead of going for my passion and knowing exactly what I want because I've identified I don't know what I want, mm-hmm. how about I just get curious and try some shit? Mm-hmm. Know what I did the funniest thing. I don't know if it's a bit controversial, but... I was like, I'm going to follow my own curiosity. And I've never been a super religious person, but being a medium, I'm very spiritual. I know there's a higher source than us. I'm very happy to talk to anybody who wants to talk about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to a spiritualist church. Uh-huh. i was like, be cool. Basically, like the medium and the readings. this sounds like right up my alley. So I go to this local spiritualist church. I hated it. It was like the worst thing I could have. I got there and I'm like, oh my God, it's like a bunch of woo-woos talking about woo-woo stuff. And <laughs> I believe it, but this ain't my jam. Yeah. Oh my god, we're gonna sing songs together. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, I do not think so. And I'm out. <laughs> uh, no, mm-mm. And they're like, oh, we're gonna see you again next week. And I was like, oh we'll just we'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> you
2: know.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with the spiritualist church. That's their flavor. But I had to try that. Mm. I needed to, and when you're curious, you don't like everything. That's okay. I just didn't go back. You know,
0: Totally. And I, I wanted to add something about, you know, you, you mentioned your bliss and your flow because this is talked about by a lot of people, especially in the spiritual world. And I'm going to have a little ranty rant here because I think this has been taken really out of context. When we're in flow, It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy all of the time.
1: Oh, preach, sister. Yes. Oh,
0: my. This is something that I am so passionate about because, you know, people are, oh, this doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like it's easy. I don't think this is for me. No. If you're here to live your purpose, you have to push through some boundaries. There are going to be times where you really don't feel comfortable. That doesn't mean you're not in flow. It just means you're not comfortable and it is two very, very different things. So I'm glad that you picked up, you know, following your bliss because to be living our purpose... And to follow our bliss doesn't mean it's going to feel blissful all the time. It doesn't mean it's going to feel easy all the time. And in actual fact, when you're really living your purpose, like really, really living your purpose, you are going to have to crack through the most amazing amount of boundaries to get to the level that you want to in this lifetime. Rant over. Oh, (laughs)
1: Parise. I am there with you, girl. I feel it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... MJ, for people that have loved this conversation and want to be immersed in your world even more, where can they go to find you and to connect with you?
1: I would love for people to join me over in Facebook. My handle is Mareforfa, M-A-R-E-F-O-R-F-A. That's my traditional Macedonian name. Just FYI, Mare. No one ever pronounces it right. So MJ is good as well. (laughs) (laughs) Please go for MJ. Love it. And you know what? For your listeners, I would just love a little private DM Mm. if you can message me and say, hey, I heard you on Sam Riley's podcast. Had a really good time. I just love to hear the feedback. But also I've got so many like delightful treats. I have like a very quick cheat sheet on how to know if it's your fear speaking or your intuition speaking. So for those that DM me Mm. or PM me on Facebook, I'm very happy to shoot across a little cheat sheet on is it your fear or is it your intuition speaking so you can actually make better decisions in your life.
0: And I think this is an amazing topic. I was nerding out before we started recording because fear and intuition, like that is just I don't know we might even have to get you back to talk about that because that is ah. just a massive topic all on its own. I would
1: love
0: to. MJ I have loved today's conversation for everyone that's listening what is that one gold nugget that you want to leave people with so that they walk away from listening to this episode and just know that they have to do the next right thing?
1: think the next right thing is acknowledging that your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions and your actions create your results. So instead of trying to just change the results, we want to actually go back to the thought process, the originating thought or belief. A belief is a really good word. A belief is just a thought you've thought over and over again until you think it's true. So really go into that originating thought and belief. And if you want to change your results, you change your belief, you'll have a different life.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you.